It was on this Thursday of Christ's final week before he was crucified and resurrection that he told his disciples, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. That was in John 13, verse 34. You know, the Passover supper has been eaten. Jesus has concluded in his upper room discourse and he and the disciples, they they sung a hymn and they left the upper room and they crossed over the Kinron Valley and headed over to the Mount of Olives. And they went to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. Now the book of Matthew in chapter 26 records what would quickly unfold in these next few moments of Jesus' life. It says in verse 36 that then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain right here. Watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says again, for the second time he went away, he prayed. He said, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and he found them sleeping. For their eyes were very heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and he prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. And then he came to the disciples and he said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a quick crowd came with swords and clubs from the chief priest and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer who had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man, seized him. And he came up to Jesus, and at once he said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. And then they came up and they laid hands on Jesus. They seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, struck the servant, of the high priest and he cut off his ear and then Jesus said to him put your sword back in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once just send more than 12 legions of angels but how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so and it was at that hour Jesus said to the crowds have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me When day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but all of this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then all the disciples left him, they fled him, and they deserted him. Now you know what I love about the passage? I love the rawness of what we just read. As you read it, you can feel this tension as the words begin to reveal Jesus' raw emotions. He had his own will. He wasn't a robot, void of his own personality or void of his own feelings. And we see in verse 39 that he was asking if there was another way for redemption to happen, that he was totally okay with that. 
But if death was the only way, then he was going to lay down his will. He was going to submit his will to the Father. When you think about this garden, even the name of the garden shows us this weight that Jesus was under that night. The word Gethsemane means oil press in Hebrew. Such a fitting name for the spot where the sins of the world pressed down on Jesus on the night that he was arrested. During the time of Jesus, there would have been an olive press somewhere nearby. Hundreds of olive trees spread across the Mount of Olives. These olive presses would have been these massive millstones which were were used to crush the olives after the fall harvest. These stones could weigh anywhere upwards to 1,100 pounds each. They would take the olives and they would place them in this stone pit and then a donkey was hooked to the millstone and it would pull this massive stone wheel around in a circle crushing the olives beneath. Many historians say that it would often be said of the donkeys that lived up in the Capernaum area in northern Galilee and of the donkeys that were in the Mount of Olives that all the donkeys tended would tend just to walk left in circles because they would go around and round and round these millstones. You have to understand that a millstone is designed to crush every bit of the olives. This includes the seeds turning them into a mash that filled about 15 baskets. This was known as the crushing stage, and it was followed by the pressing stage. The baskets, which we would have holes in them, they were hung onto the long beam of the olive press. And these olive presses, they, they underwent three presses when the olives would go in. During the first press, there was no pressure. No pressure was put on the basket, and the olive oil simply just dripped into a three-foot deep vat. Olives are one-third oil, one-third water, and one-third mash. And the oil rises to the top. So they would just scoop off the oil, and they they had what was called their first fruits. The, The first fruits, the finest oil, belonged to the Lord. And this was actually used by the priest in the temple. Then there was the second press, and during this second press, they used a stone weighing about 500 pounds to put pressure on the baskets full of olives. The quality of oil from the second press was still good, so people used it for food and medicine and cosmetics, but there would still be oil inside the olive mash, so people used stone weights to add even more pressure and squeeze out more olive oil. Because of the quality of the oil from this third press was not as good as the other two, the oil would be used for lamps or even to make soap. Now, you're probably asking yourself, why in the world are you explaining all of this to us? Well, it's simple. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed three times, three presses, three prayers. On the last press, You put as much weight as you can. You were literally trying to squeeze out every single drop of olive oil that you could. Look what the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 44. It says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The sins of the world pressed down on Jesus with so much weight A weight of sorrow that blood began to squeeze out of him like oil from crushed olives. It's a powerful image. 
And while Jesus prayed in anguish, his disciples were taking the easier way out. They were sleeping. Now, Jesus could have taken this the easy way out as well. I mean, the Garden of Gethsemane was located very close to a road often used to escape from Jerusalem. So Jesus could have slipped away. He could have slipped down this road, just disappeared in the wilderness. That would have been the easy path. But Jesus, man, he took the hard way. He took the way of the cross, the way of the oil press. It wasn't always easy for him, yet even in his struggles, he did not sin. He obeyed and trusted God's heart for him. And Jesus' resolve to do the Father's will is echoed in the next scene when he tells his disciples that he has the power to stop everything that is happening by calling on the armies of the angels, but instead chooses to fulfill what his Father has planned from the very beginning. And that was for Jesus to face the cross. When a soldier bows to a general or a scholar to his teacher, he's yielding his will or he's yielding his life. He gives himself to the rule and the mastery and the power of another. That is exactly what Jesus did here. He said he came not to do his own will, but to do the will of his father. In, in Gethsemane, he said, take this cup from me, yet not I. And not, not what I will, but God, what, what you will. It was on the cross that he suffered what had been settled in Gethsemane. He yielded his life to God. And he there, thereby taught us that the only thing worth living for is a life that surrendered to God, even unto death. If you're controlling your life and spending it on yourself, even you know partly, you're abusing it and taking it away from God's original purpose. Learn from Christ that the beauty and the purpose of having life is so that you can surrender it to God and allow Him to fill it with His glory. I have heard weddings called death ceremonies. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that before, but people have referred to weddings as death ceremonies. It kind of gets a laugh from, from older married folks, but more importantly, it captures the essence of the transaction. I mean, during the wedding ceremony, the groom says to the bride, I'm now dead to myself and living for you. And the bride says the same thing to the groom. And when you say to your father, Jesus, you're saying that you are dead to yourself and you're living for him. I love what Paul writes to the church in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, For I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, and I love this part, when he gave himself for me. See, following Christ requires a cross. It requires a dying to self in such a real way that you can say with Paul that it is no longer I who live. It, it means that we give up life so completely that Jesus' life is able to fill it. We, we just empty ourselves. It, it means the, the old you is dead and the new life you lead is empty of your you-ness. And it's filled with Jesus. Now this is good because you are a sinking ship. I mean, you must you must escape yourself into Jesus because we cannot pursue both God's will and our own independent will. We, we have to empty ourselves of one in order to fully embrace the other. So when our hearts are surrendered and trusting God, our desires will begin to align with God's and our joy will be made full. So on this Thursday, on this very Thursday that we reflect 
on that moment of Jesus being in that garden and praying, surrendering his will. And we focus on Jesus and his journey to the cross. Let us be reminded of, of Jesus' obedience. My prayer for everyone who is listening to this today. My prayer is that you will lose your life so that you can find it. That your life will be pressed so that all of you comes out and all of Jesus can be poured in.